Chargers tight end Donald Parham has officially signed his exclusive rights tender and will be back with the Chargers in 2022, but will he actually be competing for a starting role? You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogmeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together for over six seasons, but we're heading into our fifth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys for making us your first listen today. And to make sure you never miss the show, subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you find your podcast from. But David, yesterday was a good time to get into what we did, right? We haven't really done any position groups. We got into linebackers and things like that yesterday. Well, on today's show, Donald Parham has signed his tender. He will be back with the Chargers in 2022. And that means it's a great time to talk about the Chargers tight end position and if he is potentially going to compete for a starting role. Or will it just be handed to Gerald Everett, right, as we see it right now? Maybe that doesn't even matter, but we will be talking about what Gerald Everett's production should look like this year and also second-year tight end Trey McKitty, who ended up really finishing the year strong, I thought, last year. But we are going to keep getting into our draft prospect profiles in today's show. We're going to talk about some tight ends in the upcoming draft that the Chargers could get in the third or the fifth round at the end of the show. But, David, it starts with Chicken Parm, and I think when I saw, you know, that he signed his exclusive rights free agent deal tender. Basically it wasn't surprising. Cause like the way those work, we were just talking about before the show, like he could really only ever sign back with the chargers if they wanted him. Same with Jalen guy. And who will probably get into with on tomorrow's show. But Jeremy Fowler was one of the first to report David that he had officially signed it, meaning he will be back with the chargers. And he also said he is healthy and expected to compete for a starting tight end job. So first of all, I think the health is the most important part, right, David? 100%. I think that's where you have to start here just because what happened to him in that game where he had one of the scarier injuries that we've seen for a Chargers player in a long time, right? Going up for a touchdown pass in the end zone, has a very awkward landing, hits his head on the ground, and then, you know, had something you never want to see on TV where it looks like someone's not in control of their own body anymore, right? And it was such yeah. a scary moment. So I think – Just having a guy like him, so talented, right? Came from the XFL, such a good story. Elite nickname, Chicken Parm, is like one of the best nicknames you could have in the entire NFL to me. But I think that's the first thing my mind went to is like, hey, we haven't heard much about Donald Barham, right? So I think it's nice just to hear, hey, he's healthy. He's ready going into 2022. We'll get into the starting spot part of this, but health is obviously most important. A hundred percent, Daniel. I mean, this is a game at the end of the day. Donald Parham has a family and he has things that are more important than football. I mean, football is awesome. We all love it. But I mean, we have to worry about his life and and, and, uh, his quality of life outside of this game. And so the fact that he's actually back to a hundred percent feeling good, he's back to being himself. Then, you know, we can go back to the football aspect of things and what he brings to the table there. But the fact that he's able to come back from a very scary injury um, and be back to 100%, I, I think that's something we have to be very, very happy about. Yeah, especially for a guy who obviously is super talented and you're kind of still waiting to see if he can break out, right? I mean, if you look at what his season was last year, he had a decent season for a second string tight end. And that was the biggest part of this report was just, hey, he's 
you know, competing for a starting tight end spot. And that is something I don't think we've really thought about. And I think it all depends on kind of how you look at it too and how we think the Chargers are going to deploy their tight ends because he still had a role last year, a bigger role than he had his rookie season, even with Jared Cook getting in as many targets as he did, which was a ton of them. Yes. But David, do are we buying that part of this though? Are we buying that he is actually competing to be the number one tight end when the season starts? I, I don't know if I buy it um, personally. It's just because, I mean, you have to look at what he's done the first couple of years of his career. I mean, it's 10 catches the first year. It's 20 catches the second year. Uh, and, you know, we we know that there were aspects of his game that he needed to continue to work on. He's a progressively learning blocker as a tight end. I think he got better <laughs> his second year. That's a very gentle year. way of putting it. That's a very right. gentle way of saying it. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to keep things good, you know, nice for Mr. Parham here. But um, I think he's still progressing in that avenue. We all know what he brings to the table. He's a gigantic skyscraper with a catch radius that's probably unmatched in the NFL. Let, let's be honest. He's six foot eight. Uh, and I mean, he, he can run like a gazelle. He's very agile too, for a man of his size. It's very yeah, deceptive. Is. I mean, it's very deceptive. It is his ability for sure. But uh, I don't think that you can sit here and, and, and look at the production that he's brought to the table and honestly say that he's going to be the tight end one for the chargers next season. Yeah. And I think he can still have a much bigger role than he had last year oh, yeah. and still not, you know, lead the team in targets. There's a lot of gray area between that. But like, I think just having him and Gerald Everett at the same time on the field at the same time just brings a different athletic profile than what you got with Donna Barham and Jared Cook last year, who wasn't, yeah. you know, the most fleetest afoot at that age last year. And the other thing with Jared Cook was, though, he was a good red zone target, right? That was what he was kind of known for coming in. Gerald Everett doesn't bring a lot of that. I think that's kind of where Donald Barham comes in. And I do think that when you look at his yards per catch and when you look at, you know, the yards after catch per catch, I think those things were kind of hurt by the fact that a lot of his targets came in the red zone, in the end zone, right? You're not getting, yeah. you know, yards after the catch if you're catching touchdowns. And he has left something on the table there. Obviously not talking about that last scary injury part, but he has had some contested catch situations that he could probably come up with a little bit more. And you also still have a guy like Mike Williams if you're trying to throw fade balls and things like that. But yeah. he is a big target down there for sure. And I think as far as the expectations go this year, I think we still could see him progressing even more, right? I mean, this is a guy, he's coming along nicely. I don't think you need to thrust him into a starting role right now. I think he can be or, you know, an elite kind of tight end two type of player with his receiving ability. Well, and he's still young. I mean, he's not an old guy by any means, no. so he can still learn. He can still get better. I mean, hey, he's still in an NFL program with NFL coaches. He's not a complete product. Just because you make it to the NFL does not mean you have met the peak performance for that position. You are you should always be looking to improve. You should always be trying to add different things to your game. And Donald Parham is in a great position to do that. I mean, like I said, he's improved as a blocker, still has a long way to go there. Um, but I think the next evolution of, of his game is to really take take advantage and take onus of those red zone opportunities and those you know contested catch situations. You're that big. I mean, you need to use that to your advantage. That should be a deadly weapon. I mean, you remember Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham was gigantic, and they just throw it up and let him go go up and get it. And I think Donald Parham can do some of those similar things if he is used correctly. But, I mean, hey, how exciting and how dangerous could it possibly be to have Gerald Everett and Donald Parham on the field at the same time attacking the defense? That's something that defensive coordinators should be very wary of. 
Yeah, and I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath and ever expect that Donald Barham is going to be a ever a fully, you know, round, well-rounded tight end at this point. But like, you don't have to be like if you're no. just a receiving tight end that has a role in this league. You can split out. He doesn't have to be on the end of the line of scrimmage or anything like that. He's still going to be a dangerous weapon and a huge mismatch for whoever you're going to put out there, even if he's in the slot, right? Show me Absolutely. a safety, you know, I can kind of cover that. And I think everything else has progressed too. I mean, he has pretty good hands. His route yeah. running has come a long ways. And the dude ran a four six forty, right? So the one thing I'd like to see more is the Chargers trying to use him in the seam more, getting him more involved in between the 20s where he has that yeah. room to run, right? When he can roam and use those long strides and that yak ability. Because I said last year, I thought he was the second best yak throw after Austin Eckler, right? Oh, yeah. and, and I think that if you can get him in better situations, find him in the open field more. I mean, you do not want to see that dude running through a secondary. That is terrifying for five foot 10, 195 pound defensive backs when you have this six foot eight monster it's running not easy to break down. four six speed because it's not just a big dude, right? There's big dudes and then there's a dude who's six foot eight and also is running at a, a velocity that nobody that's big and then there's that big. Yeah, it's just a different type of breed. And that's what's so intriguing about Donald Parham, who really is kind of just a prospect still at this point, kind of working his way up. But there are other guys, there are other guys in the room that should have big impacts for the Chargers. And I'm really bullish on Trey McKitty going into year two. But Gerald Everett, I'm going to tell you guys why I think he's probably going to have the best season of his career. And I honestly don't even know if it's going to be that close. But we'll talk about the rest of the tight end room coming up after this. But I need to tell you guys, about my favorite pair of sunglasses. I can't believe I forgot them for this read, but Shady Rays are my favorite brand of sunglasses, and they're an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection on every pair. If you lose it, if you break it, they will still replace it. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them, no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to Fight Hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays exclusively for our listeners. Head to ShadyRays.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code LOCKEDON for their best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. All right, David, well, we talked about Donald Barham, and he's easy to get excited about, right? I mean, the dude's a freak. But I've been pretty excited about this Gerald Everett signing as well. And I actually, you know, kind of don't hate what the Chargers have going on at tight end right now. Like, I think there's a lot of things to like in it, even though there might not be one star player as we see it in that group. But thank you guys again for making this your first listen. If you need a second listen, make sure to check out the Lockdown NFL Show, the best experts from around the Lockdown Podcast Network, breaking down everything going on throughout the NFL I know I have to listen to it because I have to get out of my little Chargers bubble every once in a while but Gerald Everett David I think the value signing of the year so far for the Chargers right I really loved that deal I was holding out hope as the first wave of very expensive tight ends you know rolled through yeah that someone like Gerald Everett would be able to come and not only come to the Chargers but also sign at a very reasonable price two years 12 million dollars to bring in a Jared Cook replacement, right? And I think when you're talking about what his expectations are, I think looking at what Jared Cook did last year, maybe plus a couple of different wrinkles is probably what you can expect. Oh, yeah. I mean, the last couple of years, I think what you've seen when you look at Gerald Everett's 
stats, first and foremost, is he's very well, very much underused. I, I don't think that he got enough opportunities at any point and at any spot that, you know, that he went to, whether it was with the Rams or last year with the Seahawks. I mean, it was better last year. He had a career year, 48 receptions, 478 yards, but I think he is capable All career highs last of a, year lot, too. Four a lot more. Too. Yeah, yeah. Four touchdowns. Definitely 10 yards per catch average, you know, not a career high, but still very, very admirable there. Um, I think with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, I think is where you're going to take Gerald Everett to the next level. Cause you got a guy who's going to be extremely accurate, has a great strong arm um, and he loves his tight ends. I mean, we've seen that early on in his career. That is very much a safety valve and he is going to get targets. He's going to get more targets than he has ever gotten in his career. And I think those are all several reasons why he is going to have a career year and an offense that he has not seen the likes of this type of firepower around him. Yeah, and I think, I mean, he's super underrated. Like, to have that career season, right, career high in catches and yards and touchdowns, even though it's only four touchdowns, maybe you expect a little bit more of a starting tight end. You also have to remember he was playing with Geno Smith for some of those games last season. But what, what about the durability, though, David, right? Yeah. Five games is all he's missed for his entire career. That cannot be I love it. And the other thing that he brings to the table is the yards after the catch. We talked about the missed forced, ta- you know, forced missed tackles, only one less than Keenan Allen and Mike Williams combined on the season last year and way more than Jared Cook has. And he does bring that, and he brings a little bit of a nastiness. You mm. see it sometimes in the blocking I think his blocking is probably a little underrated. Not that he's great, but like I think some people write it off as just can't do it at all, and I don't think that's the case. But he is brought to be a receiver, and he brings an athletic profile that Jared Cook never did. And I think the one thing that you could see better from him specifically this year with Gerald Everett is just the average depth of target. I mean, I think his average depth of target, he had half as many yards on average when he was targeted as Jared Cook. So if you're putting him in that role and getting him further down the field with the yards after the catch ability with what he's able to do there. And I think that was a big part of bringing him in. I love the signing. I, I, that's why I think he's going to have his best year so far. Well, Daniel, it's it's a yards after catch threat that we didn't really see as a, a potential replacement or I guess a, a fix, an answer to that problem. And we had looked, oh, we need the speed threat at wide receiver. And I still think sure. that's, that's true. But I mean, this is an avenue uh, of getting that yards after catch that I don't, don't think that we really focused on enough, but Gerald Everett definitely is going to bring that element. I mean, he's done that every single year of his career. You put the ball in his hands and you watch him work. He loves to run through people, and that's where that mean, nasty streak comes in. I think you see it as a blocker from time to time, but I I think you see it more so when he's got the ball in his hands and you're in his way. He wants to get you out of his way, and if he's got to go through you, that's fine. But also, that's not the only way he can do it. He can also wiggle you and and, shake you out of your shoes and run around you too. He's a guy, if you get the ball in his hands on 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 a quick pass, he can take it seven or eight yards. And I mean, that type of difference in production could be monumental to keep the Chargers offense on the field and moving the chains. Yeah. And I think you bring up a good point, you know, with the Chargers needed guys who could do better with the ball in space. And and that's something that, you know, we thought they'd maybe address in the draft and they still could and probably should. Yeah. But we didn't think they would be getting more out of the tight end position in that regards. In addition to Donna Barham, who was already up there as far as yak threat and also in Deandre Carter, right? Because I think, he is a guy who's forced missed tackles and maybe, you know, his yards after catch per reception probably don't actually justify how decent he is in space because I, as a kick returner, as a return type of player, and as a guy who averaged, you know, almost 10 yards per carry last year, I think the Chargers got kind of better in those avenues, even if it's not 
necessarily where it needs to be to, you know, really get the most out of this Joe Lombardi offense. But I do think, David, that Trey McKitty is another interesting player I'm excited to watch going into 2022 because he's only had 12 catches the last two seasons between pro and college football. I had six catches after trans- transferring to Georgia, had six catches last year with the Chargers. But the one thing he did instantly come in and do was be the Chargers' best run blocker. And I think you saw the development throughout the year. He got more physical than he ever was in college. He added some functional strength that you could definitely see in a difference there. And he just, I mean, even catching the ball, I thought he was fine as well. So I think he is a guy that obviously brings you something from a physicality standpoint that none of the other guys in this position room bring at this point, right? And I think it's an exciting prospect to have a guy like that under contract the next three years and to see what he's going to do this year. Yeah, because you know one thing he brings to the table every single time he goes on the football field, and that's that that blocking prowess. I mean, I mean he really is one of the better blockers on the team, regardless of position. He, he shows that want to, that physicality, and you know he has he's been productive doing it. So I hope that that you know avenue of his game is going to be able to produce more pass catching opportunities for him. I mean, at least because that adds another wrinkle to your game. I mean, you know, I mean, last year when he came into the into the game, you know, nine times out of 10, they were probably running the football because that's what he was brought in to do. But hopefully, you know, as this offense evolves and as he evolves in the offense, they can use him as more of a decoy and then turn that into play action opportunities to get the ball in his hands and let him show everyone else what he's capable of doing as a pass catcher. I think, you know, that's something Joe Lombardi has done throughout the year as, you know, use certain plays to set up other plays. Hopefully they can introduce Trey McKitty into that equation as well. Yeah. And I mean, you know, between 2018, 2019 at Florida state, like he was one of their best receiving options, right? He had 51 yeah. catches between those two seasons. So it wasn't really to the last couple of years where he was thought of as just primarily as a blocker. It'll be interesting to see how they use him this year, but I do think he can, at least get to the point where he's an adequate pass catcher, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, Virgil Green had a spot on this team in a different offense, but like didn't really bring much to the table as far as receiving chops. I think that Trey McKitty at least has at least a little bit of upside there, even though he's never going to be, you know, Antonio Gates, obviously. But I think he fits in perfectly with what the Chargers need in this position, you know, group and in this tight end room. And I think that the Chargers could decide to draft somebody, but you don't feel like it's as big of a need because, like, I think we both feel pretty good about the guys they have in there. And they can bring in, you know, a later round draft pick potentially. And we have a couple for them, you know, potentially to choose. And a couple of late round guys, we're going to talk about Greg Dulcich and also Charlie Kohler coming up after this. Guy's projected to be in the third and the fifth round and get into our draft prospect breakdowns that we're going to continue doing throughout the offseason. But I do think these are two underrated prospects that we're going to get into, but not as underrated as Built Bar is as a protein bar because Built Bar just doesn't get the love that it deserves because it is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. You're getting the health benefits you want out of it. 17 grams of protein, less than four grams of sugar, and less than four grams of carbs in most bars. And the flavors, you got to talk about the flavors, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie. Right now, you guys can get in on the Built Puffs, the first ever protein-infused marshmallow and get the Chirps flavor just in time for Easter coming up or the brownie batter. You You can't have something that fits on your diet that also has the words brownie batter in it, right? And that's what I love about Bill Bars. You're getting something that feels like a cheap meal while also sticking with your diet. And you're not getting that waxy, chalky taste that you get from a lot of those protein bars. I can't tell you how many dry, waxy protein bars I've had. 
Get something that's 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And you can also save money on it since you listen to this show. We have a very special offer for you. If you go to Built.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, David. Well, we know that the draft is coming up very, very quickly. And I mean, there's never enough time to get into anyone. And we have to put out shows five days a week. So we have some guys that we'll have time to get into, including starting on today's show, a couple of tight end prospects that we're going to talk about in Iowa State's Charlie Kohler and also UCLA's Greg Dulcich. We know how much Tom Telesco loves his UCLA products, right? I think, David, this is a good kind of area of where the chargers could potentially do it you know take a tight end in the 2022 nfl draft you're not i mean there's no tight end that would be worth a 17th pick you don't have a second round pick so that's going to take you off the board for probably the first kind of tier of these college tight end prospects and i don't know if it's like a particularly low day class at tight end either i mean there's definitely some interesting options but for the chargers specifically we wanted to look at some guys that would maybe be realistic for them to take. And we end up starting with Greg Dulcich, who Jordan Reed in his latest seven-round mock for ESPN had going late in the third round, actually two picks before the Chargers, but obviously not inconceivable that he could get to where the Chargers are at. And like I said before, there's obvious connections with Tom Telesco. They love the, you know, not only UCLA, but USC products. We've seen them really dip into those local pools a lot, and they obviously have a lot of connections with those schools. And we know how much Brandon Staley loves to know about the dudes he's bringing onto the team, right? He oh, yeah. makes that such a point all the time. But, David, what did you think about this guy? He's projected to go in the third round is probably where you'd have to take him if you want him. What were your thoughts? Yeah, Greg Dulcich here, six foot four, you know, pretty decent size, 250 pounds. Ran a pretty good 40, a 4.6940. Um, you know, that's that's pretty impressive there. Two pretty good solid years of production in college, 26 for 517 yards, 19.9 yards per catch and five touchdowns, and then 42 catches, 725 yards, and again, five touchdowns, and still impressive, 17.3 yards per catch. So a couple of pretty good um, seasons there. I think he's a very inviting target. Um, I thought his route running progressed as he you know, kept on in college. He's very yeah. dangerous on the drag and the slant routes and the seam routes. I think those were definitely his best. They, they kind of used – him to kind of they hide they hid him they hid him and then snuck him out on routes and that's where I saw him to be very effective he has some good wiggle and good determination when the ball's in his hands Daniel he is definitely trying to get to the end zone and he's going to make it very difficult for you to stop him yeah I think he's a a pretty good yards after the catch dude I mean he eats up a ton of yards like when he has the ball in the open long strides man it's funny because we watched ended up watching the same game the LSU UCLA game we were watching Derek Sting last week and you brought up that play where he's chasing a dude down all the way across the field to try to tackle him and then he ends up whiffing on him that was Greg Dulcich yes in their game last (laughs) season but on that play though what you see is you know him making a couple dudes miss three on that play and him turning you know a big play of 20 yards into a house call, yes. which is always something that's inviting if you, you know, are looking for a tight end in that kind of role. And another guy who's not very good at blocking, right? I, mean, I think that's yeah. going to be a thing for both of these guys. Both are willing, right? And that is yeah. part of the equation. Both don't look, I mean, they're both engaged in it. It's not like yeah. they seem like they want nothing to do with it. When you watch right. enough college wide receivers, you'll see some dudes who don't want nothing to do with it. Yeah, for sure. Not saying that at all, but. <laughs> There's, they leave a lot to be desired. And Greg Dulcich, like, there is a lot of effort there. There probably is some room for improvement. Like, I think he gets to the spots, you know, and things like that. He's obviously athletic enough and has the lateral mobility to do some pass protection 
to be able to hit spots in the running game if you need him to get up on a linebacker. And when he was blocking, especially smaller dudes, he was fine in those situations. But really, David, you were bringing this guy in. It's going to be as a receiving threat. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, there's a lot to be desired as a blocker. He needs to improve his blocking technique a lot. And one of the reasons for that is because he doesn't latch on to defenders. And the reason why he's effective against the smaller people is because he doesn't do that. He just gets his body in front of them and moves them out of the way. Um, he can't do that at the next level. You're gonna, you have to right. latch on and be able, you know, to control, you know, your defender. There, he needs to sustain sustain those blocks longer, which also plays in hand with, you know, being able to latch on. And he had some concentration drop issues. He dropped had four drops in 2021. But um, this is definitely a pass catching tight end that, if you're trying to add that element, um, he definitely brings that uh, ability. No question about it. Yeah, and I think. For me, given the Chargers' needs and some of the other guys we've looked at there, right? Like, I'd rather have Leo Chanel than Greg. I would agree. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to, uh, you know, address what it would take, right? And especially in the Chargers' current circumstances, which we were talking about before the show, too, just like that third round pick is going to be important because, like, it's your last pick in the top 100 picks. Like, it's the last chance to get a guy who could reasonably, you know, be expected to have a, a role this season, depending on what position that is. But like, I, I think third round is probably a little bit too rich for me, but I understand as a prospect, why people are intrigued also did a lot of good things in this off season circuit, right at the senior bowl and stuff like that. So I think he's a guy that is an interesting prospect for sure. Bring some of that yak ability, brings a lot of the competitive toughness that you're looking for, right. in the yeah. fight after the catch and things like that. But I think probably the better value out of these two is probably Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. And you want to talk about production, David. The dude had over 2,000 receiving yards over the last three seasons. Like, you just don't see tight ends do that, right? Remember last year we were talking about Hunter Long, I believe it was, Boston College tight end, where he's just like yeah. the entire offense was just like pepper this dude, move him around. Yes. Charlie Kohler had a lot of that because, I mean, he was a big part of their offense. They definitely made him a focal point of that offense. And – I think I saw a little bit of Hunter Henry in the route running from him, right? The blocking, no. But as far as like a a kind of, you know, probably a little bit above, he's not an explosive athlete, right? But he is an athlete, really good hands, can make contested catches, does a lot of things really well, but is a, you know, glorified slot receiver pretty much. Oh yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you saw that a lot when you watch his tape. Um, he has large a large frame. I mean, he's six foot six. This is a a big human being, two hundred and sixty pounds. So large, filled out frame there. Good length as well, and you see that in the arm usage. Um, he's an experienced blocker. Um, I wouldn't say he's particularly a great blocker. Um, one thing I did see him do well as a blocker, at least you know several times on tape, was that he was good at sealing the edge. Uh, I did see that a couple of times you know, being able to at least take his defender out of the way and, and get that edge for his running back or for, you know, for a wide receiver that was trying to get, get to that spot on the field. Um, also, like, like you said, highly productive three out of the four years of college. I mean, 697 receiving yards, 591, 756, averaging 13 yards per catch in his college career. I mean, that is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. made an all American team in college. I mean, the dude was as productive as anyone. And I mean, He's also thought of as a fifth-round pick. So I, I think that's what makes this prospect a lot more interesting because, like, oh, yeah. really good route runner. Like, I think he has a, a really incredible feel for a tight end when balls are lofted over his head. I mean, making kind of acrobatic catches at times. Like, he does some of those things there where it's like, okay, that's pretty special for a tight end. And he's six foot six, right? So, like, yeah. he is a mismatch in that sense. 
I wish that his, you know, tape kind of matched up with what his athletic profile was according to the relative athletic scale, you know, a 9.12 ran a four, six, two forty. And I think his straight line speed is good. You yeah. know, I, I think that's not a problem for him in the couple of times where it broken plays, broken coverages, where he did have space. He did pretty good with it after the catch, but most of his yards came at the catch, right? I think it was yeah. only like 200 of his yards last year came after the catch. So it's not really his game. But I do think he is, even as a guy, I think what's hard for him blocking is he's so wiry, right? He, he has yeah. a kind of a weird build. He's not a super thick dude. When you're six foot six, 243, I mean, that's not a, a lot of weight put onto that frame. And he could definitely use a lot of strength because, like, blocking, I mean, it's always going to be tough when you're six foot six to find leverage, right? And to keep yeah. your pad level low enough to, yes. to fight off guys. And he's not going to be able to do that with defensive ends because even though, you know, he's very willing, like, there was just too many times where he's ending up on the ground. For me to you know feel comfortable having him in there as a blocker and just really quick losses as opposed to you know like oh, i barely didn't get this guy it's like oh no i'm on the ground i'm sorry like that that was there was too many of those moments but like i i mean as far as a fifth round pick goes to get somebody i, I think who is super athletic but not explosive which might seem kind of weird but like i think he's a guy you know I, I could probably get behind it if they ended up taking a fifth round in the fifth round somewhere around there i could i could find a way to justify it yeah, I mean, he's not super agile. I mean, he's not a tw- like a twitchy type of player, but he right. does have speed, and, and that's definitely you know something that you look at. And you know, looking at the value at, at the position, that's a you know a value there in the fifth, you know, sixth round that I would feel a much much more comfortable taking a tight end, a guy that you want to grow with a room that already has several good young players in it, and they can all grow together. Yeah, no, I love that, and I think he does bring really good route running that you know would would kind of set him apart like that's the part that reminds me of hunter henry just like how quickly he's able to turn around present himself as a target and be willing to adjust to make a catch if he has to kind of on the fly the way he kind of physically fights through routes because a lot of guys want to get physical with him especially with how tall he is he does get caught up at times but for the most part like he's fighting through it he's not just slowing down and and trying to get a flag because i mean there would have been a thousand flags in the games I've watched with how, you know, many times he got held oh, on yeah. routes by defensive backs because he's just too big for defensive backs like that. And he's such a polished route runner at that size. I think he is kind of a unique prospect and you'd be betting, you know, kind of on the tools that this guy has good athlete, great hands, good route runner, great feel as a receiver, really just natural receiving tight end. You don't see guys as polished as him very often in college but overall i think this is a good room and you could add to it in the draft and try to bring maybe some different kind of tools right or as they've talked about before different kind of basketball players as they like in the receiving room and obviously at tight end and they've had actual former basketball players like antonio gates you know who was dancing at Kent one State. of the best ever yeah i mean argument for the best ever if you ask a chargers fan right but that is going to do it for today's show, David. The one thing we didn't get into was Jalen Guyton also signing his exclusive rights free agent contract. And that is an interesting conversation, I think, to be had there, too. What is Jalen Guyton's role going to be? I think that is very, very up in the air, um, depending on what happens in this upcoming draft class, right, if they potentially try to take his replacement. But that is going to do it for today's show. To make sure you guys never miss the show, go subscribe to the Locked on Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. If you guys want to hit us up for Fan Mail Friday coming up later this week, you can call into the Locked on Chargers voicemail line at 323-524-7924. You call in, 
Leave a 30 to 40 second voicemail. You're almost guaranteed to get on the show when we do the next Fan Mail Friday. So make sure you guys get your calls in and we'll put a post out on our at LAC Twitter account that you guys can ask your questions there as well. You can also find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and David Drogemeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD. And you can find the show every day on all of our social media, including at LockedOnChargers on Instagram and also at our LockedOnChargers Facebook page. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.